I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So bars, if you can hear me, we're gonna have words. That music is absolutely terrible. Uh good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fallout Bar myself. Jack Ogawa joined this evening by Mr. Henry Deacon. How are we doing, pal? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. It's given me the opportunity tonight actually to test out some new equipment. So uh, if anything else goes awry, at least I've had that opportunity tonight. Oh, you could have pre-warned me about that for when it inevitably starts beeping at me or we get feedback or something. <laughs> that tends to happen with your microphone. Um, hopefully, though, we won't have any such issues this evening. Um, chat room I hope not of how much I spent on it. Oh, steady on. <laughs> this, this job is so expensive. So, so it expensive. <laughs> um, busy, busy show for us tonight, mate. We have eight games to talk about. Half of the entire first round has been played today. Um, some interesting ties, a couple of upsets in there, maybe. Not as many as perhaps this draw would have suggested, though, as you're looking at it. On an overall, um, let, let's just give you the numbers. Only two non-seeded players have made it throughout 12 so far, I think is the number. That's quite staggering mm-hmm. for a world match play that we've built as incredibly open. There's lots of seeds at risk. Um, and that the top boys are struggling for form and they just, they just haven't materialised so far. I mean, look at it tonight in particular. If you feel like you've been left with more questions than you've had answers, especially from some of the bigger names, I think that the two seasons that went, obviously, Robbie John Rodriguez beating Johnny Clayton is a shock, despite how well he did on the Euro Tour a couple of weeks ago. You've got to put that down as an upset. For me, Gurney against Gary Anderson was a coin flip before the game began. You wouldn't have been surprised either way if Gary Anderson got out of that, Adele Gurney got out of that, I felt. The way the two are playing at this present moment in time, they're probably meeting in the middle. So to that extent, it probably wasn't an even game. But you go into tonight and you look at uh, you look at the four winners. 
Um, Joe Cullen did impress, but it was up against Damon Hetter, who just had one of them days at the office. We'll talk about it a bit more, of course, in, in just a bit. And then the other three players that, that went through, Wayne and Virginia, we know they've got more gears to go, and we expect that in the next round. And then Nathan Aspinall comes through a game which we thought would probably be tight, go to extra time against Luke Humphreys. Again, played well and has possibly put himself in, into some frame, but we'll... Uh, We'll digest all of that as the evening goes on. Yeah, and after all that, I stand corrected because um, it was three players unseeded that have made it through. I forgot about Daryl Gurney. Nathan went through. I think he's had a problem with throughout the week anyway. There's been a couple, actually, that have been quite miffed about how their chances have been downplayed. One at the very end of the night tonight. Um, but let's crack on. Let's just go in order of how the games are played today. It keeps everything nice and easy. I don't have to remember which ones to jump back and forward to. So we go all the way back to about one o'clock this afternoon uh, when Dirk van Dijvenboda came from behind to defeat Ryan Sell 10-8. And what was, look, this set the tone for the day and what was billed as the best afternoon session the world match player's ever seen. And then the quarter of death in the evening, we thought, here we go. This is going to be tasty. And this most certainly was. And Dirk showed some real resolve there because Ryan Searle is one of those players that doesn't usually let up a lead when he gets himself in front. If he gives himself the opportunity to get over the line, by and large, he takes it. But Dirk showed some real tenacity, didn't he, towards the end there. And and for me, I, I said it uh, on a tweet, perhaps the the performance of the day, if you, you look at the fact the way he had to get back from behind, the way he's clawed himself back into the match, Ryan Searle had control of it pretty much throughout up until the end. So the character and tenacity he's had to show in a highly competitive game as well against Ryan was probably why, for me, the first performance of the day was perhaps the the, the best performance. And again, we're talking about players who haven't been tipped up and haven't been fancied. Look, it's only one performance so far. I completely understand that, completely get that. But... That was a good first performance from Dirk van Dijvenboda against a really tricky customer in Ryan Searle. And that'll give him a bit of confidence and a core of a draw, which I think he'll look at the afternoon session when all together. I think he'll now slowly fancy himself for. Yeah, you'd, you'd be silly not to if you're Dirk. The form he's carrying, obviously picked up a prototype. means he's now won eight straight as well, because there was an intriguing point that him, um, Brendan Dolan and Adrian Lewis all entered this tournament with a seven-game winning streak, because they don't want a pro top. They've not had the chance to play again since. Adrian Lewis withdrew on the final day. Obviously, Dolo won the last one. And Dirk went partying in, in the Netherlands somewhere. He's like, oh, there's a festival on. Why well, should one, do? One twelve grand. I can bugger off, basically, uh, which I thought was quite amusing for Dirk. But I want to go back to the manner of the performance from 6-3 down. He finds the absolute afterburners. And it is, in the past, not you can be forgiven for, but there's been a real opportunity and, and rightly so to question Dirk's ability to respond to it when things aren't going his right way and his, his maturity at times as well. He can start wasting a few darts, getting a little bit aggressive with himself and whatever. And we didn't see either of that tonight and that's probably even more impressive thing in this performance than the 103 average, the 40% on the doubles, the two ton pluses, the seven one eighties when he hadn't hit one in the first six or seven legs or something. No, was it leg 10 he finally hit one in? Which means he's something just gone like out that, yeah. berserk in eight legs. He's at seven one eighties. To, to turn it around and be able to flick the switch like that is more impressive for Dirk than any other way he could have won this match. It's a true test of character. And I say it again, the opponent he was up against does not let you have opportunities for free. 
Ryan Searle will take you out if, if he has the opportunity to take you out. It's as simple as that. And the tenacity showed from 6-3 down. As we said, in the past, that's the sort of game Dirk may go on to lose 10-5 or something like that. He may have had a couple of darts to get himself back into it. Perhaps would have missed it. Ryan Searle would have mopped up. But it wasn't the case. He dug in. He ground it out. You know, in the past, we said Dirk's a great front runner. Still is a great front runner. But there's always question marks of him from behind. But today, he answered those question marks, that little question mark over, over his name in that department. And look, to win this world match play, it's a tough tournament to win. In some senses, you could say it's tougher than the world because leg play format doesn't give you the sorts of breaks that a set play format gives you. If you're behind 13-9, you're behind 13-9. There's no ducking underneath the fact that there may only be a set in it or you'll level in sets, even though you've got a big leg deficit. You know, you've got to go out and attack the game. So to go out and do that, it will give him a lot of confidence. Shows a lot about how he's matured, a lot about his character. And Wayne Mardle said something, didn't he, earlier on this afternoon. Yeah, he made the final of the Grand Prix a couple of years ago. But you look at him overall as a package now. He's a much better player now than the player that made that final to 200 to one outside shots. He is indeed. One quick word on Ryan Sir before we move on. Obviously, we do have an awful lot to talk about this evening. If you're watching live, don't forget to jump in the chat room or flash your comments up on screen. And if you're listening back as a podcast, we do appreciate you tuning in to the Fallout Bar here at Online Darts. Uh, as I said, one last thing on Ryan Sell. Third best average of the night. There was only two players that bettered him. One of them was um, Dirk van Dijvenberder. The other one was Danny Nopper. Tough, tough. Well, we could have said this about anyway you fall in a draw and the performances we've seen from an awful lot of the field tonight aren't what we expected but he will be kicking himself in that a he's performed so well and still can weigh a loss after that spurt from dirt and b once you watch the other seven games unfold you always get that little bit going why didn't my opponent do that or why can i have been playing any single one of the other 13 players in the field that haven't managed to play better than i have it's the you're kidding me mantra, isn't it, ultimately? And he will go back and he will he'll be kicking himself, not not in terms of the performance, because as you say, he played really well, but it was it was the fact that he lost and the manner in which he lost in the fact that he was in front, he was in control, it was in his hands. And look, I'm not going to say he let it slip because Dirk had to do the business ultimately in that one. It wasn't one of those ones so I gave away. But... That when you go out and you see a couple of games which wasn't up to the quality and the standard to the one that you played in, it, it is a kick in the unmentionables, put it that way. It is indeed. Let's move on then to Dirk van Dijvenboda's World Cup partner from this year, actually, because of the MVG uh, carpal tunnel surgery. Uh, Danny Nopper, the other man that would have beaten Ryan Sell's average so at that point. Danny Nopper, superb. Is it me frozen or you? There we go, you're back. Uh, Danny Nopper, superb in a 10-6 victory over Brandon Dolan. Look, I thought Dolan started this match all right, actually. He dictated a little bit of it. It wasn't the easiest watch at times. They're quite, they're both quite methodical players. They're not the slowest, yeah. but they're not the fastest, even though Dolan has taken steps to speed up his game and improve his rhythm. I also don't think the commentary pairing helped at all. It was Adam Smith and Laura Turner who were struggling to find ways to fill the gaps between how long these guys were taking to throw. And it just made this one a slightly less pleasurable viewing experience, in my opinion. I don't want to sit here and criticise these guys. They're professionals. They're solid. They do what they do. Sky are the best in the business at, at darts. 
it's just what they do. But there were more enjoyable games to watch from a fan's perspective tonight on TV than this one. Talking from a commentator's perspective, two slow players is a hard ask. Yes. No disrespect that when you've got two slow players, there's a lot of there's a lot of feeling you've got to do because naturally you're probably adding another 25 seconds per leg. And I mean, to be fair, on TV, you can kind of get away with gaps here and there. But obviously on, on talk sport radio, and I've not done darts on the radio, obviously, I can imagine that's a bit more of a, a feel. But just, just to throw the, the commentator's union line into it. Um, but going back to the game itself. <laughs> <laughs> Go, going back to the game itself, the second session changed it. I felt Danny Noppert started to take control of the game from there, goes into the second break, and, and I just felt from there there was only going to be one winner of that match. And this is kind of what he's done the last 12 months or so. I think in the past, Noppert's played well, but perhaps sometimes in the big mental moments, you could possibly question him. But You've got to say today, and, and I agree with that comment there, he has gone up levels this year. And I think mainly it's because of the way he thinks about the game now. I think mentally he's got much stronger, he's got much better. And I think he can take command of matches much better now than perhaps he could in the past. In the past with Danny, everything would be a bit of a battle. And even if he won, it, it would be a, say in the World Championship, it would be a 4-3 or something like that. Whereas now, I think the biggest skill that he's learned over the last 12 months is how can you dictate matters? How can you command a match? And that is something that he has done superbly recently. And that is why he's a UK Open champion. That is why he's in around the top 10 of the world. And that is why people are talking about him as a potential Premier League player come the start of 2023. It is indeed. Let's keep moving on then. Still six more games to talk through. Then we have to look ahead to tomorrow's night and, and do some predicting. Wonder how that's going to go. Probably terribly. It's going to be sunrise by the time this finishes. Yes. Uh, Love Island might have finished by then. The entire series. Oh, that thank is not God. Just a um, thank God. It'll be about 40 degrees as well at this rate. <laughs> Number three in the afternoon, and Daryl Gurney joined Roby John Rodriguez as a non-seeded player to make it through. However, look, there was a lot of debate on social media last night and a lot of people going, oh, have you, ever, have you seen results recently when Roby John beating Johnny Clayton last night was billed as a, as a surprise, as an upset, as a shot? Standard-wise and, and, and ability-wise, Johnny Clayton is the world number eight, looks solid in the Premier League for large parts, has struggled for form a little bit, and Roby made a European final, yes, but that is still an upset. This one, I don't think as much. Unless you're Phil Bars, who has backed Gary Anderson to win the tournament blindly. That went well, Phil. Brilliant. Um, these two have been pretty level recently. I think they might be going in opposite directions a little bit. Gary dropping. Gurney looking like he's recapturing some of the form that took him to major titles in the past. He's still not quite at that level. Um, but a, a solid all-round performance from Daryl Gurney. Yeah, we saw all the tricks from Gurney as well, didn't we? We saw the the lying down first start on the 60. We saw the blind 180. Um, he just looked like he had his swag back up on that stage. It was fun to watch. And by the way, it's good to see back someone else other than MVG for the title, but it's going to be ironic if he wins the title and Bars doesn't back him. <laughs> just to throw that one out there right now. But yeah, you, you go back to that like game. You know, it was... <laughs> 
just going back to that game, do you know what? It was just good fun to watch. When Daryl Gurney's got this swag and got this mood about him, he is so watchable. And it was interesting because sometimes when an opponent does that to Gary, he can sometimes get wound up. I, he actually enjoyed the battle out there, didn't he? Um, which I found quite interesting. But there was moments when Gary could get within one of Daryl and Daryl kept him at bay. And that was the difference in that game. Gary had his opportunities. Daryl missed a few doubles in that middle to latter end of the game, which could have let him back in. But Gary couldn't take the opportunities. Daryl mopped up. And to be honest, as far as first round performances go, it wasn't spectacular, but it was steady enough. And there's enough there if you're Daryl to look back upon and say, yes, there's areas to improve. But you look at it all in all, it's a solid enough first round performance. I've got the victory. I've beaten a good enough seed. He's still the world number six for now. And look, it's a quarter that I think is quite open and he's going to quietly fancy. Look, anyone, all those who've got through that quarter today will fancy themselves for a semi-final. Put it that way. They are indeed. Let's have a quick word on Gary Anderson. Um, Jamie followed, fell into the Phil Bar's trap. She thought Dan would have a runner again like he does. Silly me. Look, he's back with the World Championship darts. I think they're his best setup. He can go through the virtual of it. There was a couple of moments where he had that 1-3-4 on tops, tops. I think it was a 1-30 mm-hmm. in there. Well. You just thought, hang about, is this Gary just turning the match in his favour, but not to be for him. And he's in a little bit of trouble now, isn't he? Motivation levels, practice levels. Does he have the heart to, to stick in this game and, and carry on being at the very, very top level? Because... It's going to get to the point where it's legacy damaging if he just clings on or, or turns up and goes through the motions too often. And it's a difficult one for Gary because we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that his ranking is dependent on a final of the match played two years ago that he lost to Dimitri and a world championship final, which he'll be defending come this Christmas to, to go in price. Now, he's gone out the first round here. He has to minimum get to the semi-finals of the world championships minimum now just to preserve his world ranking and mark webster made a made a point when on commentary if he drops outside the top 16 the easiest way to get back in there is playing euro tours now me and you know for a fact gary anson will not go back on the euro tour just to pick up ranking points it, it's it he's openly admitted it's not for him and look that's his prerogative fair play to him you can't force anyone to play any event if it doesn't suit you it doesn't suit you it's as simple as that Everything now in terms of Gary Anderson, for me, is dependent on whether he stays in the top 16 or not. Yeah. If he drops outside the top 16, we can ask a couple of questions because we he'll have to do the business in the Pro Tour. Now, we both know that's easier said than done. You know, it's not like the days of years ago where you'd expect the big guns to mop up the Pro Tour titles and perhaps share it between four or five. People win yeah. it left, right and centre. People who don't even have tour cards win it these days in Scott Williams. So you can't even back that. Um, it'd be interesting to see. I think I think the next six months, we're going to learn a lot about the direction of travel with Gary Anderson. Never rule him out, because you know what, what it's like. A couple of years ago, we were saying, well, Gary's finished. Gary's this. Gary's that. He goes and makes the World Match Play semi-final. He goes and makes a World Final. And to be fair... He even openly admitted at that time he wasn't in the greatest form guide. 
never rule him out. But the next six months, I really, really do think is absolutely pivotal um, for him. And I think we'll see where, where the direction of travel is. And no matter what happens, he's one of the greatest champions this sport has ever seen. Two world championships, two Premier Leagues, world match play, numerous other big televised titles. So that, you know, he'll always go down as a legend of the sport. And, you know, whether that comes into play or not in terms of his decision making, I don't know. But I think by the time Ali Pali comes, I think we might know what Gary Anderson wants to do. I'm not convinced, but <laughs> let's see. Uh, boy, she's in. He says, good evening, gents. That also answers another question I had earlier, uh, asking if I was in Blackpool. I am not Phil and Leah. I'll be there next weekend for a stag do, and it's just been floated the potential of 20 of us going to watch the women's match play as there are still tickets available for that session. So I might potentially make a visit to the Winter Gardens, but I do not know as yet. couple more. Uh, just quickly. Go on. Just quick, can I ask Boise, who's leading the Blackpool karaoke in the media suite? No one. No one. <laughs> we don't do that here. We don't do that here. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was only me that was doing it at Lakeside. But... Regardless of what happens from now on, I'm not convinced. I think it's already starting to get to that point. Peter Wright is catching in terms of titles and there is a recency bias in everything that you do. Um, and there is a little bit of moaning from Gary, shall we say, over the past 18 months that has coincided with his downturn in form as well. Uh, Simon says, I'm Gander's biggest fan. I don't want him to hurt his legacy. Me too as well. Uh, Jamie says, he's dropped at 16. I think he'll retire the following year. A couple of comments about not being on tour much longer, the back injury, etc. However, what we're now going to do, as a complete U-turn of the conversation we've just had, is here from Daryl Gurney. We've got a few clips to play this evening. <laughs> Uh, we might skip a couple, but as always, uh, all of the clips, uh, all of the interviews are available in full on our YouTube channel where you're watching us right now. So make sure you head over there once you've finished uh, watching us back, listening back to us, etc., etc. You can hear from all the players in full. Uh, but this is a snippet of what Daryl Gurney had to say after his victory over Gary Anderson. I don't, I don't think it's a bit unless Gary decides uh, to retire after the words. Um, maybe it's going to. It's going to be his last year, but for me, Gary Anderson's still too good to be uh, saying that. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to play next year, and if he plays next year, he's going to qualify. And I wouldn't like to be the person who plays against him, to be honest. But um, if he decides he's going to retire uh, in December, whatever happens, or the first of January, because he always gives the the PDC a headache whenever it comes to the awards, because he's that good. I mean, semi-finals, finals, you could rhyme them off. But um, yeah, no. If he if he decides to retire, that's the only way I think we won't see him at uh, at the Winter Gardens next year. But yeah, I mean, if he decides, no, I'm going to keep on playing. I think I think he's still qualifying. Good words from Gurney about his beaten opponent. Uh, on to the next one, and we rounded off the afternoon session <clears throat> with again a game that wasn't the most watchable on the eye because look, styles make fights, styles make darts matches. These two did not match up very well in terms of styles, but it did, in my opinion, in the early stages, give Andrew Gilding a massive, massive advantage. Michael Smith struggled an awful lot to settle up on that stage. He's another, much like Dirk, relies on his big scoring. 
uh, didn't quite get into that groove early on, and Andrew Gildon took full advantage of that, put Marcus Smith under some incredible pressure until a superb comeback from Marcus Smith. A superb a comeback as it was for Michael Smith. Andrew Gildon would have left the Winter Gardens this evening thinking, what if? Because he did have his chances to finish off Michael Smith. He didn't take them. But Michael Smith, as good a player as he is, he's shown this bit of mentality that he's developed over the last six months. Michael Smith, 18 months ago, I don't think wins that darts match. He showed real battling qualities, champion qualities to get himself back into it because his back was well and truly against the wall. He was probably halfway down the M62, back to St. Helens at parts of that match. But fair play to him. Stuck in, ground it out and broke Andrew Gilding's heart because, as I say, he had the game in the palm of his hand, but Michael Smith pulls out this spurt survival instincts from Bully Boy to get himself out of it. He did indeed. A couple more in the chat room before we move on with that one a little bit. James says at least when I'll be doing the boo and join the women's event next week, it will not be me. I'm civilised. Cannot promise anything for the rest of the stag do, but that bit will not be me. And there's a question going around who retires first, Gary or James Wade. I think you guys are, well, until James spoke this evening, I had no idea there was any intention of that. We might play that be very, very shortly, but there's a big age gap between these two. James Wade is not even 40 yet. If he carries two on hours ago, two, two hours, hours ago, if you said that sentence, I thought you'd be on something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, where were we? Uh, Michael Smith, superb comeback. And like I said, look, this is why. He was my pre-tournament pick, and I've said it in a couple of places now. I was asked to do a piece for the weekly darts cast. I said it in our preview on Monday night, um, and I, I said it a lot. I feel like this is Michael Smith's time because he has that extra level of maturity. Look, he didn't quite show it in the early stages of this match, and I thought it was a little bit naive of him. There was one point where he, he mouthed something to his family. It didn't quite get picked up by Wayne Marder, but I'm pretty sure he said he needs to hurry up. And you're not going to get that. Slow players are going to dictate the game and it's an advantage they will always have because you can't make them speed up. You can only make they can slow down as much as they want, but you cannot force them to speed up. It's just not in their prerogative and they're always going to have that advantage. So it was a little bit naive from Smith to think that or expect that or, or want that at that stage. But the fact that he stayed calm, the 161, I think it was, was absolutely massive yeah. in firing. He still had a 180 at that point. Um, but he just went absolutely berserk after that. And that's the maturity. That's the turnaround that you've seen from Marcus Smith. I thought he was at that level at the World Championships. It took an exceptional performance from Peter Wright in the last couple of sets to turn it around. Then you look at the UK Open. That one hurt the most for Michael Smith because he was expected to win that final for the first time. Everything else, it was, oh, he might get there, but he's got a tough opponent. That, that Danny Noppert one, especially the way Noppert played, Hurt him an awful lot. But again, he responded pretty well soon after that. That last week in the Premier League, kept going, kept going, kept going. Yes, I know not everybody's playing for something at that point. But just to tick that off the list at the end was superb. And then the way that he's responded on the Pro Tours recently, there is a maturity to Michael Smith right now. It's taken a few years longer to build it than it perhaps should have. And if he picked up that major a couple of years ago, then maybe we would have seen it already. But this is the response. This is the early games that you can get it through. And look, Someone mentioned Noel Malik Demelo. It might have even been you in the group chat. It was actually. me, yeah, yeah. Definitely you. 
Noel Malikdem should have had Peter Wright's pants down at the World Championship a couple of years ago, and it, it made Peter Wright in that tournament. This could be the very, very same moment for Michael Smith. Completely. And Michael Smith now is on the same kind of trajectory Peter Wright was about three years ago, where quality player, you cannot question that, but he's got to get the big titles in the bank. Peter Wright got that at that World Championship got that world championship under his belt by hook and by crook he got it under his belt but he won that world championship now that is exactly what michael smith has to do now he's got that world series title in america that's a big big win for him just to back that up because he obviously won in shanghai but back that up with another one brilliant winner on the euro tour mops up pro tours like they know tomorrow but the, the big question will always be un- until he lifts one is getting over the line in, in that big major event and that was like Peter Wright before he won that world championship you know if he wins this world match play we'll go back to round one against Andrew Gilding the opportunities he had to beat him Smith came through it sometimes we've seen it before in tournaments with the big boys if they have a scare early on and they're close to going out that's the worst thing that could happen to the rest of the field because usually they've used up their life and they go absolutely nuts for the rest of the tournament Indeed, indeed. Right then, let's hear from Bully Boy after his extra legs victory, the only one we've had at the tournament so far over Goldfinger, Andrew Gilding. No, I've, I, every tournament I play in, I always say, I'm gonna, I, can, I don't say it to you, I <laughs> say to myself that I'll win this tournament, I'll win it, I'll win it, and I fell short on maybe once or twice. But no, I just believe it 100%. I believe I'm the best player in the world of a tournament. I believe I'm the best player in every tournament we go into, and if I don't believe it, no one else will. But I would never sit here and tell you that I was going to do it. But no, as it's been a target, it's, I'm I'm not bothered if they if they beat me and I played well. Fair play. It's when I played bad I get upset with myself. That's the worst thing. I like that. There's a, there's a relaxed nature to him, and mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was decent. From Michael Smith onto the evening session, and Henry, we need to fly through these a little bit. We've got clips for for pretty much all of these guys as well. Um, Not a shock result, but a shock scoreline in this one. Yeah. Joe Culler, as comfortable as you can possibly imagine in a 10-2 demolition over Damon Hetter. I don't think I was the only one in the world to, to say that Joe Cullen was one of the seeds most at risk. Um, but pre-match, he was one of the seeds most at risk. And this certainly doesn't look like it. And he was not happy with people like you to say that he was a seed at risk. He was seething at the suggestion from the from the tournament bookies that he was the outsider for this match. Uh, but I'm not the outsider at all. Like, don't get me wrong, Damon Hetter is playing magnificent darts right now. I certainly didn't have him as an outsider. But when you look at the list of players that could cause an upset in the other sixteen. Damon Hetter is one of the top players in that right now. Yeah. He plays at a solid enough pace. It's just going to go back and forward with Joe Cullen. And if he gets in head, you saw the way that he played at the World Cup. We've seen the way that he's played in the four events. I thought he could give Joe Cullen a really, really good game. And that put Cullen at risk. Not that Damon Hetter is mm-hmm. miles, miles better than 13th seed Joe Cullen, who is a Masters champion and one dart away from the Premier League. Do not get me wrong. If there are people out there that were saying it that way, then he's right to be aggrieved. In terms of being at risk from a good performance from an opponent that's capable of it, Joe Cullen fit that category tonight and he knocked it out of the park. And in fairness to Damon, it just it just never happened for him tonight. It's one of those where he'll just want to move on from it straight away. 
get back home to Leicester, rest up for a couple of weeks, get ready to go to Australia, have your homecoming parade for the World Series, which for him is going to be absolutely brilliant. He's reigning World Cup champion. He's going to have a brilliant couple of weeks down there. But tonight, it just didn't quite happen for him. It was one of those nights at the office. It, it sometimes happens as a professional. You don't really want it on the world match play stage. And probably the toughest stage to play at. The tough For me, the toughest tournament to win because you got 32 players over nine days and they're the best players in the world. But for Joe Cullen, it's not a free pass because Damon played poorly. He did, he did his bits and the right bits at the right times, as someone famously says. But, you know, timing-wise, he was immaculate. It was spot on. Some nice finishes in there as well. And he, he sees himself as a threat. He's fired up and, and, and bang up for it. Okay, in that tough quarter with the draw. But Joe Cullen's shown over recent times he'd actually prefer playing these tougher matches, showing that he's the man to beat, that he is, he is this big titan of the sport now. Yes, indeed. Look, Jamie just said, call me crazy, but I think Gildan is a good watch. Call me crazy instead. But Joe Cullen went from seed most at risk in the tournament to favourite to emerge from this quarter right now. That's how much it's opened up in the space of three games after he's finished playing because he was solid all round, 95. Look, not really pushed. I think he's got more gears in there. His finishing, I thought, was superb. The 160 and was it the 120 as well? You didn't need yep. to take him out, but it, it just keeps your opponent, keeps your foot on the head, keeps pressure on, and he just never relented. He never gave Damo a chance to get back into the game. Let's not forget, Damo led this 1-0 and had darts for 2-0 and missed a handful of doubles in that second leg. Could have been a completely different game altogether, but once Cullen got on that run, he did not relent, and that is massive. Indeed. I mean, I've got to be honest, I tuned in this from leg six as I was finishing off the golf, but it was it was just a commanding performance, wasn't it, from Joe? And, and again, this a bit like Michael. He's showing gears, finding gears, which he didn't have about 12 months ago. And another player, a bit like Clayton, who has won the Masters and the whole fate of his entire career has changed as a consequence of it. And he goes into this event where in the past he'd be It'd be one of these dangerous floaters in the draw, would we say? Whereas now, he's a bona fide contender to win it. He is indeed right. And let's hear from Joe Cullen uh, after his 10-2 win over Damon Yeah, I didn't think I made it that obvious. But yeah, I was, like I say, I was bang, bang up for the game. Um, the way that I've been... I was going to say, I wouldn't say written off, but I would say written off. I think a lot of people expected Damon just to... Just to get rid of me, I think a lot of people have got short, short memories. I was a dart away from winning the Premier League and the Masters champion, so yeah, I had a point to prove tonight. And to Damon's sort of demise, I think that the all the um, all the backing that he had from people away from the dartboard was was to his demise. Because I use that as massive motivation. Interesting. I find it really interesting that normally we get the, the conversation from the players that nobody's really paying attention. I'm just going to get my head down and, and do what I do. I have a very, very funny feeling we're going to have a very, very similar interview from somebody in a couple of games' time. Judging by the fact how he responded on his Sky advert, uh, Sky interview and the fact I've been told that he goes off in his interview, I think Nathan Aspen might be saying the very same things. And look, in an open tournament... It's interesting to know that the players are listening to what people are saying here, there and everywhere. I've not really seen that before. Not to this level. 
give me the testosterone every day of the week. Because I'll tell you one thing, it spices up what is already a Vindaloo-style tournament. And you know what? I'm enjoying this. The fact that Joe Cullen's up for it. He doesn't want to be written off. Nathan's up for it. He doesn't want to be written off. James is up for it. He doesn't be written off. I tell you what, as the week goes on, the more and more of these players that are meeting and they're going to be facing each other, it's going to create some fantastic spectacle, isn't it? And something's going to have to give. That's the most important thing. You know, can't play for jaws in darts, as you famous as Wayne Marder would say. They've got to go for it hand and lever. And I tell you what, I'm looking at second round night with that part of the draw. I'm thinking, yes, please. Should be interesting indeed. Right now, on to the second game of the evening. And look, if there was anybody in the entire field that was going to be able to win comfortably with an 85 average, 30% on the doubles. It would be James Wade, and that's exactly what he did. Look, this this wasn't brilliant by any regard from both players. Um, Wade got ahead early. Wade stayed ahead early, put an awful lot of pressure on Lukeman. I think Lukeman struggled with the conditions a bit. He mm. definitely didn't look like he was enjoying it up there at all. Um, he had a couple of darts that were falling out. I think part of that's angle of entry. Part of that is nervousness and a lack of technique when you're under pressure on a big stage in front of the TV cameras, etc. Um and that James Wade was not spectacular by any means. He struggled a little bit since he spent a couple of nights in hospital uh, back end of the Premier League from Berlin. Um, but he's through to the second round of the match play, and, and that's all the matters in right now. Yeah, and, and in terms of Martin Lukeman, I think the toughest place to have your TV debut on a stage is Blackpool Winter Gardens. Really tight and closed arena. It's hot, even hotter this weekend, and I... And I dread to think what the conditions are going to be like tomorrow and Tuesday. And I bet we'll probably touch upon this a little bit later on. But toughest place for your debut, I'd say, in terms of a TV stage. James Wade does what James Wade does. And we've spoken about this God knows how many times. If someone knows a way to win a darts match, no matter what the scenario, no matter what the situation, it is James Wade. He can win with an 85 average, he can win with a 115 average. He will do what he needs to do to get over the line. And some people criticise it. It's a quality that 99% of pros would trade in right now. It is indeed a look. It's through, it's into the next round. Uh, a couple of quick shout-outs to Jones. Jones in the chat room. Uh, a few others in there as well. Great to see you all. Uh, let's hear then from Wadey on his 10-4 victory over Martin Lick. And then I'll come back to making your debut there being difficult. Uh, and then we'll move on. And um, all this is is just a little push past what I need to do to retire. Um, you know, with what the PDC have done to, to enable players like myself to, to do what we do, it, the working class boys never, ever, ever going to get another opportunity like we've, we've had. Um, so, you know, it's, it's quite a special time, it's quite a special place. Um, yeah. Retirement's not in your mind yet, though, is it? Sorry. Retirement's not in your mind just yet, is it? Uh, it's not. It's not far off, my friend. It's not far off. Anyone got a tissue? <laughs> uh, Wade is. It's a bit worrying that the way he's talking about retirement. Look, 
it wouldn't be the first time that Wadey just chucks something in for what he finds amusing in his own mind compared to everything else. But yeah, a little bit strange that he is talking about that the initial push past retirement caps that's just collecting funds. Um, financially, I think he's going to be in a fantastic position anyway. Uh, he's been around for long enough at the top of the game for long enough. But let it be. Considering we're looking at other players we're going to lose from the top of the game in the next couple of years, your Peter Wright, your Steve Beaton, Simon Whitlock's not getting any younger, Gary Anderson as well. To lose James Wade, who's still got over 10, 15 years on these boys, would be a little bit, I don't want to say damaging, but when you lose a large batch of characters all at once, quite worrying for the PDC. However, I want to go back to making your debut on this stage, because I completely forgot it at the moment, then moved on and come back. I agree with you on this being the most difficult place to do it. A, because it's halfway through the year, especially if it's uh, your first year on tour card. Admittedly, this is Martin Lukeman's second, but to get up there, more difficult. Because it's leg play, there's nowhere for you to hide. There's nowhere for you to reset and set play. You just have to have a couple of good legs, and suddenly you're back on the scoreboard, and it resets them, and you can go and go and go again, and you get those breaks a little bit more. In this, if your opponent's 4 or 5 nil in front of you, there's nowhere to turn, really. It's so much more difficult to get back in a game in set, in leg play than it is in set play. And that's why I agree with you in that this is one of the most difficult places to make your debut because the format's so long, the stage is ridiculously warm, the crowd, the, it's not like constant wall of noise that you might get at Premier League or a Euro Tour. There's not as much singing. They're quite Traditionally, in Blackpool, they're quite well respectable there was a couple of incidents again tonight and i'm just fed up of talking about crowds to be honest and once blackpool's gone the holy grail and sanctum is gone then nowhere's safe um and after all that waffling i think we're just going to move on <laughs> michael van going against adrian lewis was the penultimate game of the evening um will from the in-between us sums this up best That was dreadful. All the pre-match hype about these two, about Adrian Lewis being back to some sort of form after he picked up a Pro Tour victory. Michael Van Gerwen uh, back from wrist surgery. We weren't quite sure how his performance was going to go, uh, but obviously last time we saw him play was in Amsterdam against Danny Nopper for eight legs. They were both averaging over 100, pretty solid. Danny turns around in the last two legs and you think, well, maybe he's going to reproduce that. Um, neither player above the 90 mark and... It's not as if they dropped at the last minute. That's pretty much where they were for most of the game. Um, lots of missed starts of doubles in these ones. Uh, mainly from A.D. Lewis, actually, who, look, mm. it sounds daft considering that Van Gogh and average 89, but Lewis let this one slip massively. He was in control an awful lot of this game and just kept presenting opportunity after opportunity on a plate to a man who's traditionally had his number and has been far more successful from him despite what some might say are, are, are very, very similar talent levels. AD had chances at 8-8. If you look at it, before he went 9-6 up, the opportunity and the legs before, he could have made it 8-8. Now, if we're getting there, you're, you're entering the house of madness. Anything can happen from that point onwards. But AD didn't take those opportunities. And he had number of darts, a number of darts to to make it potentially 8-8. Obviously, I know it's in different legs and Van Gogh in one and, and what, what have you, but he had his opportunity to do that. He didn't take them. And look, Michael will, look, he's openly said he's not happy with his performance. He said there's no winners from that match, but what he will take is the fact he's into round two. 
statistically at the world match play he hasn't played worse than that you feel as if he won't play worse than that and if he does play worse than that he knows in the next round he will be eliminated so it's one of those where you sweat and say my god have i how have i got through that but then he'll be getting himself on the practice board i can imagine first thing tomorrow morning he'll be hammering that for fun to make sure he's ready <clears throat> excuse me for tuesday night yeah, you'd expect so, because if he doesn't, he's going to be in a lot of trouble, you suspect. I just want to yeah. pull up a little bit of a, a quirk here. We mentioned it earlier about Ryan Searle looking at the rest of the field going, why couldn't you play that badly against me? Uh, James Wade actually won playing worse than the level we saw from Adrian Lewis tonight. And we've been very, very critical of Adrian Lewis because he missed plenty of chances. Wade's average was worse and his doubling percentage was worse. And we're like, oh, AD missed so many darts at double. It doesn't matter when you win, though, does it, Gob? That's the thing. It doesn't matter when you win. It doesn't matter just how bad these two were in prime time as well, because that's what they are. They were given a big billing slots, and they didn't quite deliver in this pre-match quarter of death, if you like. Um, You know the job by now. Let's hear from Michael Van Gerwen before we move on to our final match of the evening. And then just the four games to look ahead to. Tomorrow night, we might be done by half past 12, Henry. Superb job once again. Yeah, but of course, you need to settle yourself down a little bit, but Michael on 90% can still beat everyone. That's the thing, you know what I mean? I always expect a lot of myself, and that's also probably my biggest danger. Do you think Joe will be looking for a bit of revenge? Yeah, probably he does, but yeah. Come on, Joe. Let it come. Now, Joe is a good guy, phenomenal player. I think he played all right today, but... Yeah, in two days' time, it's a totally different evening. I think I could have written that for him. <laughs> I can still beat everybody, did the right things at the right moments, don't make any mistakes. Thanks, Michael. See you next week. <laughs> don't give um, anything away. Don't give anything yeah. away. That, that, was, that was what that was all about. It's business as usual. Look, we all know, they all know, he knows how the performance went. But look, don't give anything away psychologically. Play the same card. Feel, make the field think that you're in tip-top shape and you still feel great. And by giving those answers, you, you just send out those question marks to the rest of the field. Don't go saying something that will give you question marks. You have to stick to script sometimes in, in press. And I mean, I've been in a press officer role before and I've had to tell players after some damning defeats, just say this, just say that and forget about it and then move on. Make it feel as if everything's normal. I've seen this before very, very recently from Peter Manley in victory, and it just it amazes me how you can play so badly and then just be so blasé, but almost a little bit arrogant about it as well. Peter Manley was jokingly quite miffed that he started a second favourite against John Parr at the seniors' match play recently. And after, what was he, 6-1 down or something ridiculous in a race to eight? He walked back in after he won it in extra legs and went, told you I should have been favourite. He was never in that game. That's exactly what Michael's just done there. I can win at 90%. Look at me. And I'm like, can you though? But you know what? If that's that's what they need to fuel themselves, that's what they've got to do to fuel themselves. It's it's just not something I'd ever be able to do as a player. I, I could never put an even bigger target on my back when I know I'm not playing well. And I guess part of that is keeping up the charade that you are playing well so that everyone still fears you a little bit. But I'm just not sure that's still there with Michael after the last couple of years. Yes, he is Premier League champion once again. But 
is that Michael or Dominator Michael? It's, Probably not. It's the fear factor, isn't it? And now Gezi, Peter, Johnny and, and the others have kind of caught up to his level and are sharing the majors in a way that in PDC history we have never seen before. All we've had, all we've ever seen is two dominant forces, Phil Taylor and Michael Van Gerwen. And, and because his share isn't the lion's share anymore, that fear factor doesn't actually go over time. And and for Michael, it's a, an adaptability challenge. It's, okay, I still think I'm the best player in the world, but because other players have come up towards this level, what am I going to do to still make myself the dominant force? Now, a few years ago, say, if Michael won four TV titles in a year, say in 2017, 2018, people would say, well, that's a bad year for Michael, isn't it? If anyone picks up four TV titles in a year now, we're saying what a year they've had. And that includes Peter, Gezi, Michael, Johnny. Oh, about Comfrey in four or five Euro tours. Exactly. You know, that's... I mean, we'll talk about Luke in a bit more in just a second, but to win a lot of titles in the modern game, I mean, you look at you look at the draw then for this event. Each of the 16 Cs going into it would have fancied themselves to win it. Agreed? Yeah. Then of the outside seeds, I'd say another six would realistically think they could win the event. Oh, at, least, now, at least 22 to 25 people went into this thinking I've got a chance of winning it. In a 32-player field. I can earn some serious ranking money. Yeah. And so because you've got 18, well, 20, 25 players, say, that fancy themselves to win the event, that fear factor of four years ago where we'd turn up to events and expect Michael Van Gogh to win, especially if it was on ITV4, is, is not there now because they they don't care who the opponent is. I don't care if they're playing Michael. I don't care if they're playing Gezi. I don't care if they're playing playing Peter or whoever it is, they fancy themselves on their given day against whoever they play to win that match because they fancy themselves doing the event outright. They do indeed. Right, let's move on then to the final game of the evening. And this is where we did see our third seed exit, uh, making it 25%, I think that is, at the minute. Um, a little bit harder than I thought it was, actually, when you put it into that number. Uh, but Luke Humphreys is gone, one of the favourites for the tournament, actually, because of that recent run of four uh, five euro tours obviously the other one he missed he wasn't there anyway so it's four straight for luke uh but he's beaten pretty convincingly by nathan aspinall uh 10 5 to the asp we got out the blocks early much like joe collin did didn't really give his opponent an awful lot of time to settle i did think luke looked a little bit off tonight i don't know what was up with him he looked a little bit drained i'm not sure if he struggled with the heat up on the stage um definitely struggled to find the range of his first start and perhaps a little bit weirdly, started signing autographs and stuff in the second interval. I'm, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of that. Look, I'm not going to criticise people for interacting with the fans and whatever. But at that point, he just got the match back to 7-3. And you're like, you start this next session brightly, go off, get yourself covered, get, get yourself set. You just pinched a couple more off Nathan Aspel than you perhaps you should have done at that point. Go backstage. Get yourself set, go back up and attack the first couple of legs. And he, he's signing autographs and taking photos of fans. And I'm, I'm not sure that was the right move at that moment in a game that means a lot to a favourite to win this event. I'll talk about the game in just a second. But obviously you speak about Luke Cummings perhaps being a little bit off colour. Now, do you think the time that they went on stage 
may have played a factor to a certain extent because it was a late start. We're talking what we're probably talking about twenty to eleven by the time they went on stage, something like something like that. Potentially, but they've they've done this enough. They'd have known looking at the time ends, looking at to be honest, I think they got on stage early. You think how quickly Colin and that was over. Wade was a little bit one sided and there were legs saved in the next one. It wasn't all ten twos or anything, but they certainly weren't all extra legs like they could have been when you looked at the draw pre match. To to not be ready, I'm not sure there's an excuse for that. So I'm not anyway, sure. Go... Absolutely he looked like he'd lost a bit of colour in his face and all sorts. I am wondering if he was yeah. a little bit ill at some point and it's just, just not been broken as news anywhere, that sort of thing. I don't want to start making excuses for people because I thought Nathan Aspinall was absolutely sublime, by oh, the way. Yeah. Um, but it, it was and just the game that, hinged that on that one poor three. At that moment was just was just a little bit questionable for me. Yeah. Just showed a lack of focus and a lack of fight and almost if he'd given up again at that point. And then the first couple of legs when he comes back out, he's absolutely on fire. It should have been a ten data. But then was he but then twist it the other way did the fact that, look, I'm 7-3 down, I'm struggling in this match, maybe that did that couple of seconds where I'm just going to take my, not not take the eye off the match, but just to relax, do a few bits of the fans, does that take that little bit of heat off you? Because the next leg, as you said, potential 10 data. Just, just throw it the other way around. No, no, I appreciate it. I, just, I still just think it was just that little bit, strange it's not something we've ever really seen anybody else do in that moment you wait till the end of the game or or, or whatever um but yeah performance maybe they had a taxi wise, waiting outside <laughs> performance wise luke left a lot to be desired this evening but nathan aspinall was absolutely brilliant six one eighties yeah. two time plus checkouts 37 percent of doubles and i think he's got more to give yeah i mean the game hinged on that one four three checkout absolutely hinged on that early on that was Aspel setting his stall out, and he's what—he's a brilliant front runner, Nathan. Is once he gets himself in front like that, big finish like that, gets himself pumped up. And you, you could tell even even from the walk on when John McDonald was saying, you know, whatever he was saying, he was jumping about like a coiled spring in the walk on area. Couldn't wait to get on that stage quick enough. He was jumping around half the time to Luke Humphrey's walk on track. He was bang up for it tonight. Once that one four three went in, you just felt. He's in the zone here. Look, you expected Humphreys to perhaps have a you know, be a tighter game and perhaps win a few more legs than he did win. But Arsenal was just in that zone tonight. And as you said, it just it felt like a performance which was good, but there's more to give as the tournament goes on. There's certainly more gears for him to go. And we know what Arsenal can do at his fluent best. And you look at his record in major tournaments, it is underspoken two-time World Championship semi-finalist. He's played in two Premier Leagues in his career, a final and a semi-final. A quarter-final here last year. This is actually the one tournament that actually lets him down in terms of major performances. So when it comes to the big ones, he should not be understated as a player that can go the whole hog. Indeed, indeed. Theresa was in the venue. She says, I think crowd was massive for Aspinall. They're fully one-sided. I think you mean were, not was. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll let you off with that one. Um, yeah, look, I, ju- I just thought he had that something between his bit between his teeth this evening. Um, and quite a fiery interview on stage afterwards. So I'm interested in 
to hear what this one says. This is Nathan Aspinall post-match. Absolutely. You know what? I don't even know how they pay these people because they haven't got a clue. Um, nah, listen, I've watched interviews and I'm not, and I'm not just saying it. I actually didn't even know I was in the tournament. I'm not even lying. It was like Nathan going on about this quarter. No one even mentioned, not even mentioned my name. Uh, no one expected me to even get a few legs off the guy. Um, and that I've been so pumped up all day. You have no idea. I'm gonna prove prove everyone wrong. And I've said it so many times. Sat with you, Phil. Like I just love proving people wrong. That's my biggest motivation in life. And uh, you know, once again, I've done it tonight. I feel attacked. <laughs> See, I'm on the live link this week, so I don't count as one of these pundits. Yeah, someone that backed Humphreys to make the final. I feel attacked by Nathan. But look, he's probably got a very, very fair point. It's just the recent form. Again, it was very much like uh, having Joe Cullen as a seed at risk earlier. Recent form suggested that Damon Hatta, if he turned up and got firm, was capable. Luke Humphreys' recent form, when he's played Pro Tour, when he's played Euro Tour, has been superb. If he gets in the rhythm, which is the pace that Nathan Aspinall will allow him to play at, we just expected more from Luke this evening. UK Open final in the past. It's just one of them. I don't think that. I'm not. I'm not taking it personally. Honest. I'm thinking that he had a right set. And look, I fired up Nathan Aspinall back playing at this level. It's brilliant for darts. Yeah, absolutely. And he's one of those box office draws. You know, if you're looking and booking a session for the World Championships and you see Nathan Aspinall in that lineup for the night, you are saying thank you very much because he's, he's, he's a big name attraction. He's someone that will put bums on seats. He plays the game in a, in a, in a way that you want to watch. Watch it. He's fiery. He's tenacious. He's a quick thrower. He's got the full repertoire. He's a big scorer. Checkouts for fun. He's everything you want to watch in a darts player. And darts is in a much better place when Nathan Aspinall is playing well. Simple as that. And look, we talk about Premier League gates. We're still talking about Premier League gates. Thomas only just finished. But Nathan Aspinall will be one of those players that will put himself in positions if he has good ones at tournaments like this because he's everything you want to watch. And as we mentioned a moment ago, he's only just it feels as if he's only just got started. There's many, many more gears for him to go. And the big the big acid test will be when he's pushed. This is no disrespect to Luke Humphreys, but apart from maybe a spell after between legs ten and 12 or something like that. There wasn't really much that was coming back the other side for Nathan. Um, the big test obviously be next round when he is pushed to the limit, pushed to the core. Um, but yeah, as far as first rounds go, you, you happily take that. Move on the round two. Beating a tricky opponent quite comfortably. And look, if you've gone each way on Nathan at the start of the tournament, you're knowing the odds will tumble down. You'll be a, a much happier person this evening. Yeah, and if you are betting, do make sure you check out Betfred, the title sponsors of the event, and our partners throughout the entire week. If you're having a bet as well, do make sure you gamble responsibly. But as I said, do check out Betfred for, I think, the best odds on the tournament as title sponsors. So, yeah, I'll bet, uh, pop over and see those guys. Right, uh, we've been going for an hour because we've had to talk about eight games, put multiple clips in, and, and God knows elsewhere. We have to preview four games, and in preview, I mean... We're just going to go score predictions. I don't want to know why. I don't care why. I like to sleep very much. Just want to go to bed. <laughs> to know 
who's going to win this game and by how many legs, basically. Um, before I do that, don't forget, as I mentioned earlier, uh, if you do want to listen to any of the interview clips in full, uh, stay on the YouTube channel or head over there once you've listened back to this. Uh, you'll be able to catch every single winner all week with the lovely Phil Bars, uh, lead boys ably assisting to make sure we can get them turned around for you as quickly as possible as well. So do check them out. And if you don't already, do make sure you follow us on social media flash them up on screen for you right now uh at official ol darts on twitter and um, facebook search online darts and instagram as well, uh, at official ol darts as well uh, and once more uh, if you haven't done so already do please like today's show it really really does help us out subscribe to the channel that helps you get involved and comment uh to get involved and we flash them up on the screen as often as we can right score predictions for tomorrow score predictions not result predictions score predictions uh match number one the only all english clash There's only three english players in the entire um yeah in the entire session tomorrow which is quite surprising given how dominant they've been in other sessions however uh rob cross against chris doby go 11-9 chris doby upset here 10-7 cross. Uh, match number two, Jose de Souza against Gabriel Clemens. 10-4, Jose. 10-7, Gabriel. Uh, match number three, Gerwin Price and Martin Schindler. 10-5, Price. 10-6, Price. And match number four, Dave Chisnell and Kim Hybrachts. Tight one, 10-8, Chisnell. Oh, I've got the same, 10-8, Chisnell. Um, right, let, let's fire a couple that are coming up on my screen at the minute. Uh, Maliki's got cross 10, Doby 8. Uh, Kieran Randalls has got 10-8 as well. Uh, Tommy Tornado's got 10-7, cross. Malachi's then got uh, 10-6 to Salza. Kieran's got 10-5, Jose. Tommy's got 10-7, Jose. Then move on to the price game. Kieran's got 10-4, Price. Um, Malachi's got 10-7, Price. Tommy's got 10-8, Price. Jamie's jumped in with all of them. He's got 10-5, Cross. 13-12 to Salza with all the way in that second game. Uh, price to win 10-3. Big margin that one for a resurgent Martin Schindler. Uh, Chizzy 10-7. And finally, Tommy's got Chizzy to win 10-6. A big, big thank you to all of you guys that have joined us here live this evening. I appreciate it. it's half past 12 in the UK, which probably means it's even later if you're in Europe. Uh, it might be a reasonable time if you're in America, actually. You guys get the benefit of putting live sport on for us at stupid o'clock. Uh, but really do appreciate you guys jumping in and chatting to us throughout this evening. Henry, absolutely spot on from you once again. Thank you for joining in. Um, chances are we're not going to see you for the rest of the week because you're off to commentate on the live league from Wednesday onwards. Champion so, yeah. of Champions Week uh, down in Southampton. So all the best for that one, mate. Really appreciate you jumping on this evening. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow and I'm here Monday through till Thursday with the fallout bar assorted guests. I think Scott's on for a couple, uh, maybe some cam action as well. And then it will either be Lee, Jar, or one of the other co on Friday and Saturdays. I'll be up in Blackpool uh, on a stag do. 
Um, so yeah, thank you very much to everybody for joining us throughout tonight's show. And if you're listening back via your favorite podcast provider, don't forget to hit us up on socials and head over to YouTube to drop us a comment if you've enjoyed tonight's show. Uh, we really do appreciate you all getting involved. Uh, that's it now. Thanks for watching, everybody, and uh, we'll speak to you tomorrow night. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.